Praise the Lord. Father, we approach your word this morning and we approach it in reverence with a spirit of honor to what you have done for us. We gather together in the name of Jesus to learn more about the cross and the great exchanges that have taken place. And Lord, we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Somebody says, well, what about the resurrection? Yes, we do celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And they say, well, shouldn't the resurrection be our primary focus? Well, I want you to know that there would be no empty tomb without the cross of Calvary. And at the cross is where his glorious love was displayed for you and for me. Way back in 1867, there was an all-night session that took place between the United States of America and Russia. And they were about to sign a treaty that would give us the beautiful state of Alaska, which was over 580-some thousand square foot. At 4 a.m., they signed a treaty, and Russia sold us Alaska for $7.2 million. What that breaks down to is about two cents an acre. Quite a lopsided agreement, wouldn't you say? In 1919, the Boston Red Sox were the perennial champions of baseball at that time. But one of their main players got tired of playing for them, and so they traded him to the cellar-dwelling New York Yankees. And it would be 85 years before Boston would win another World Series. And in that 85-year period of time, the Yankees would go to the World Series 40 times and win 27 times. Quite a lopsided agreement. And there was an agreement that took place not between God and man, but between God and Jesus, His Son, that was ratified in the blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was one of the most lopsided agreements that you could ever, ever imagine. The most. And at the cross, there are some glorious, wonderful exchanges that have taken place. When Jesus hung on the cross... He looked at humanity and said, your sinfulness for my righteousness. Oh, what an exchange. We came out on the glorious end of that exchange. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness. That you and I would be made righteous with his righteousness. Thank God that you and I do not have to earn our salvation. We do not have to earn our righteousness. Our righteousness was as filthy rags. When you come to Christ, you exchange your dirty rags for His pure white robe of righteousness. And the thing about it is, it's a free gift. You cannot earn this. In Romans 5.17, he says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, he said, Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, what are they going to do? They're going to reign. 
They're going to reign in life. No more life reigning on you. No more life pouring out its wrath on you. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have true life and that you might have it truly in abundance to the full till it overflows. Thank God. You do not have to work for this gift. A gift is freely received. And all it takes from you and I is some faith in his blood to receive this free gift of righteousness. Romans 3 talks about faith in his blood. Somebody says, yeah, but Pastor Mark, I don't have faith. You're wrong. When you hear the word concerning your salvation, faith will come. And when faith comes, you can receive everything that Jesus Christ has done for you. Thank God. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not done by works. Say this with me, for by grace. Have I been saved through faith? It is the gift of God. And it's not of works, lest any man should boast. In 1 Peter 2.24, Peter, looking back to Calvary, said it like this, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live to righteousness, by whose stripes... We were healed. I love it. I love the fact that Isaiah could look forward to Calvary. Peter could look back to Calvary. But it all ends in this one glorious word, redemption. You and I are not about to be redeemed. You and I have been redeemed. You and I are not about to get saved. We're already saved. We're not only saved from the wrath to come, we're saved from the hell that hell has to offer here on this earth. Thank God it is the will of God for the righteousness of God in Christ to reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The next thing that Jesus bore, he bore our shame. And in exchange for shame, he put a crown of glory on your head. See, the Bible says that every one of us have sinned and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, the presence of God that Adam so freely enjoyed while in the Garden of Eden, the moment he committed high treason and sin was ejected into his life, the first thing that Adam did is he hid himself. God came on the scene. He said, Adam, where are you? And he said, I hid myself because I was naked. Who told him he was naked? He was never aware of his nakedness before. See, what happened, he was stripped of glory. And instead of glory, there came shame into Adam's life. And because he was so filled with disgrace and so filled with shame, instead of drawing near to fellowship with the Father in the garden, he drew away from the goodness of God. And you know what? It's the same thing that happens today. When people, because of sin and because of wrongdoing and because of a lifestyle that doesn't please God, instead of running from God, they run away from Him. I got a cure-all for that. Change that. Turn it around. Don't run from God. Run to Him. Run into the arms of Jesus. Run into the arms of your Heavenly Father and He will exchange your shame and He will give you His glory. The Bible says 
that you can draw near to him. And what will happen? He will draw near to you. See, the world is filled with shame. Shame comes in two areas. Shame happens a lot of times because, quite frankly, we can hurt people. As human beings, we can hurt people. And whenever a person hurts another person, if they're tender in their spirit, there comes that shame. But then there's also the shame of being hurt. It's the shame that a victim of rape feels. It's the shame that a young girl feels when she just aborts her baby. It's the shame that a young boy or a young girl feels when they've been victimized and they've been abused. It's the shame that a wife feels when her husband beats her in a drunken fit. It is that shame that Jesus came to take away. It is that shame that Jesus Christ said, who for the joy that was set before me, I endured the cross and I despised the shame. But I did it anyway because I wanted to take away the hurts of humanity. I wanted to take away the disgrace of humanity. I wanted to take away the rejection of humanity. And I wanted widely open-hearted to accept humanity to myself. You know, thank God He bore our shame. Thank God He bore our guilt. He bore our punishment. The Bible says this. In Isaiah 53, that surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet would he esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. He became shame so that you could have his glory. The Bible says the Son of God came upon the scene to bring many sons and to bring many daughters unto glory. Restored to glory. Glory Without a sense of guilt. Without a sense of inferiority. Without a sense of not belonging. But with a sense of belonging in the family of God and belonging at the throne of grace. You know, thank God. He bore it all for you, and He bore it all for me. Amen? Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 9, if you would, verse 13 and 14. Notice this with me. It says, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. Now let me stop right there for a moment. Because this is talking about what they did in the Old Covenant To make sacrifice for their sins. They had to bring a goat. They had to bring a bull. They had to offer it yearly. But the Bible says in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ. Everyone say the blood of Jesus. How much more shall the blood of Christ. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. What will that do? He said. Read it with me. It will purge your conscience. From dead works. What will it purge? It'll purge your conscience. In other words, no more consciousness of sin. See, what God wants you and I to live in is to live in a state of righteousness consciousness. Not sin consciousness. Sin conscious people draw away from God. Righteous conscious people draw near to God. 
sin-conscious people draw back in fear. But righteous-conscious people draw near in faith. Amen? Amen? And you have a right to draw near. You do not have to draw back, but you can come boldly, as I said earlier, to the throne of grace. Thank God for that. And so, no more consciousness of sin. I think we need to get rid of sin tags. Well, Pastor Mark, you know what? I'm just an old sinner. Well, did you get born again? Yeah, I got born again, but I'm still an old sinner. After all, we all sin. Ha, ha, ha. No, you don't have to sin now that you're a Christian. And if you do sin, you have an advocate with the, with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous one. But don't set yourself up for living in sin by saying, well, you know, I'm just an old sinner and we all sin. No, you're wrong. You were an old sinner. You got saved by grace. But now today you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I've discovered this. That if I will allow my consciousness to be more purged by the blood, more sanctified because of the blood, more conscious of His presence in my life, the less sin I'll be dealing with in my life. Come on, somebody. Help me out just a little bit. Paul said it real strong to the church at Corinth. He said, church at Corinth, awake to righteousness. Awake to who you are. Awake to what I've made you. Awake to the fact that you're redeemed. Awake to the fact that you're a new creation. Awake to the fact that you have right standing with God. Wake up. Wake up. And he says, awake to righteousness. And then he said, sin not. In other words, you won't have to be trying to tiptoe through life, trying not to sin. No, you'll just be so aware of the fact of whose you are and who you are and what you have. And in him you live and move and have your being. That sin will just be under your feet. Purge it. Purged. Purged by the blood. Purged by the blood. Purged by the blood of Jesus. This old unworthy, unrighteous attitude is nothing more than religion clothed in unbelief. It's nothing more than a religious spirit trying to make excuses for the life that they're living out of a carnal, fleshly attitude. But oh, that's not us. We're going to walk in the Spirit. And we're going to walk in righteousness. We're going to live... Listen, you're going to live right because you are right. You can't live right until you are right. And you don't get right by your works. You get right by making it right with God and coming to Him and receiving you. And He takes what's wrong out of your life and He makes you right. Don't ask me to say that again. Say with me, I'm right in God's sight. I'm justified. I'm declared righteous. Just like I never sinned. Amen. I like that. Because this turns the table. 
This turns the table on the devil. Yes, it does. Oh, I'm, I'm trying not to sin. I'm trying. The Bible doesn't say anything about being a trier of the word. Just mark that down right now. The Bible doesn't say, but be ye triers of the word and try to please God. No. The Bible says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. The doers of the word are not self-deceived. The triers of the word are always defeated. So say it with me. I'm not a trier. I'm a doer. I am a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, what's up, devil? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I got this breastplate on. I got this shield on. I got my sword sharp. You better get out of here, boy. I'm going to whoop your behind real quick. I'm going to whoop up on you and give you a whooping. After all, devil, ain't you been whooped enough? When you talk to the devil, don't talk like this. Don't talk like that. Talk like this. Talk down to him. Talk down to him because you've been raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. He's the most low. You serve the most high. And in yourself, in and of yourself, you ain't nothing. But in him, you've been raised up together with the most high. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Amen. The head should talk to the tail like this. Isn't that right, Brother Jimmy? When you're above, you don't talk to the devil on the same level. You talk to him down here. Because that's exactly where he is. He's under your feet. And the scripture says you can tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So listen very carefully. The things that have thrown you in the past, when you become aware that you're in right standing with God and you awake to righteousness, they will not throw you in your present or in your future. That's right. You sure won't. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm just one sip away. I'm one sip away from going on a bender. Where's that in the Bible? Well, I'm on the edge of glory. I ain't on the edge of glory. I think she's on the edge of gory, but we're in the glory. We're in the presence of God. So, you know, when this really becomes real to you, the redemption realities become real to you, you won't have to be worrying about sin. You'll be able to walk on top of it. Now look at Proverbs 29, verse 18. We're going somewhere. Look at your name and say we're going somewhere. But now this is dependent upon what you keep your mind on. And what you are waking yourself up to. Amen? In Proverbs 29, 18, in the Amplified Version, it says it like this. Where there is no vision, where there are no redemptive revelations of God, the people do what? Where there is no vision. Or where there is no redemptive revelation. Everyone say redemptive Redemptive. revelation. revelation. See, Jesus became a curse for you so that you might be blessed in him. Jesus became a curse and walked into that den of sin, sickness, for you so that you might have 
righteousness, health, prosperity, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But notice this with me. Where there's no vision. In other words, where there's no insight of who you are and what you have in Christ, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But now let's flip that around. Where there is a vision. Say it with me, where there is a vision. When I know that I've been redeemed. When I know that He became sin for me. When I'm waking up every day of my life to righteousness, I will not perish. In other words, I'll have success. Well, I'm, I'm just one sip away from going on a drunk. That's wrong thinking. Well, I'm just, I'm just one toke away. I'm just one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And so the Bible says that we are to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And that we are not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Folks, living life on a lower realm, living life on devil corner is not the way to live life. Do you believe that Jesus not only bore your sin, not only bore your shame, but he also took your brokenness? He took our brokenness. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And look at this particular scripture. There was a day where Jesus went into the synagogue as his custom was. You know that Jesus was a a synagogue attender? Yeah, he was. And Jesus went into the synagogue. The Bible says he was delivered the book of Isaiah. And he found the place where it was written. And so he opened up the book of Isaiah where it reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, the anointed one, the Messiah, to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. So he was reading about himself, wasn't he? And the religious people of that day got so very uptight and so very mad and angry about it that after this sermon, they tried to throw him off the hill. Brendan and I stood on that hill where they tried to throw him off of. If they would have been successful at throwing him off that hill, he would have died there. But the Bible says Jesus passed through the midst of them. Amen. They could not touch the anointed one until the time. Until the anointed one was willing and ready to give up his life, they couldn't touch him. But he was writing about himself. And he said, okay, I've got good news to the poor. You know what good news to a poor person is? You don't have to be poor no more. He has sent me to announce release to the captives. What's good news to a person that's in captivity? The good news is freedom is here. And what Jesus was saying is, I am your freedom. I am literally your jubilee. And I'm just here to announce it to you that if you will believe that I'm anointed and believe the gospel that is being preached to you, you don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to be a captive anymore. Amen. And then he goes on to say, 
He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to who? So evidently he was so anointed he had the power to cause a blind person to be able to see. Amen? And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then it goes on to say, to send forth as delivered those who are pressed, who are downtrodden, bruised, crushed, and broken down by what? And here's what I want to center in on the rest of the message today. He was broken for you so that you could be made whole. He was broken for me so that I could be made whole. Look at your neighbor and say, he was broken for you so that you could be made whole. Now, the King James Version says it like this. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. Now, in the context of Luke 4.18, a person that is brokenhearted could mean because of life's challenges, because of the great calamity and testings and trials that they've been through, they have suffered a broken heart. Some of you sitting here this morning have suffered a broken heart. It might be through divorce. It might be through the loss of a loved one. It might be because you were victimized in life. But basically what I want you to see is Jesus takes that which is broken and he can make it whole again. He can take a life that was shattered and he can pick up the pieces and he can make it whole again and turn it into his masterpiece. Oh, hallelujah. He can take a mind that was broken and that was ravaged through the spirit of this world and through demonic forces. He literally can take a mind and he can restore a person's soul. He can restore your mind. He can restore your will. He can restore your emotions. Come on, somebody. The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd and he restores my soul. I love that. Amen. The psalmist said it like this, ladies and gentlemen, that the word of God is perfect. Listen, the word of God is perfect. Did you get that? God's word is perfect. God's word is all you need. He says, the word of the Lord is perfect. And what the word of the Lord does, it converts the soul. It changes things. Hallelujah. Somebody said, I've been through divorce and I've been broken hearted ever since. I'm here to announce good news to you today. There's wholeness available through the cross of Calvary for a life that has suffered much affliction. There's wholeness available to you. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 23. Wholeness. And the very God of what? I'm glad he's a God of peace. He's not a God of fear. He's not a God of worry. He's a God of peace. Now, can anyone define for me what the word peace means? The word peace is shalom, right? It carries with it great, great meaning 
but simply defined, I like to define the word peace as nothing missing, nothing missing, and nothing broken. Amen. In short, he's the God of wholeness. May the God of nothing missing and nothing broken. Now, this word sanctify is an interesting word. The word sanctify means to separate or to sever from. So what this is saying is that the God of peace, of nothing missing and nothing broken, will sever you from or separate you completely and wholly from anything that would break your life down. And Paul's praying. He's praying a prayer for the church of Thessalonica. And what belongs to the church of Thessalonica belongs to the church in the Bay Area. Smile, everybody. It's a nice day out. It's not that bad. It's a good day. God is on the throne. Amen. He prays. He says, I pray God. Now listen, your whole spirit. So God can take a life that has been broken down spiritually and make it whole again. I love what Paul said to the church of Colossae, and keep that verse up there. He says, when you come into the kingdom of God, you are complete in Him. You are complete in Him. Who is the head of all principality and power. You don't need anyone or anything or any relationship or any amount of money or any status in this world to complete you. You do not need a new suit of clothes to complete you. You do not need a honey with money to complete you. You do not need a new automobile to complete you. Now, ain't nothing wrong with a honey with money. As long as that honey with money is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But if you've got a honey with money that ain't saved, he ain't sanctified, he ain't filled with the Holy Ghost, look elsewhere. Because that honey with money could turn into a devil with trouble. And how we got off on that, I have no idea. Yeah, I know how we got there. You're complete. You are complete. You are complete. Complete. Well, I'll just, I'll just feel better about myself when I get that raise. I'll feel more complete when I get married. No. If you buy into that lie of completeness by anything or anyone other than Jesus Christ, you'll always come up short. Because there will always be something in life to disappoint you. But Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. The Bible says at the new birth, he made you complete in him. Jimmy, as wonderful of a person you are and as good as a friend you are, I am not complete in Jimmy. And Jimmy's not complete in Jimmy. Pastor Tom is not complete in Pastor Tom. We are only complete in him. That's it. That's it, Pastor. In Him. Now listen, if you're not in Him, then you're not complete. But if you want to get in Him, and you want to be complete, I can give you the way to come to Him. Amen? Amen? Now if you are in Him, and you are searching for completeness outside of Him, you're looking in the wrong place. 
you find completeness in this word. Right in this word. Say it with me. I am complete in him. Listen, status on a job doesn't make you complete. Don't get your self-worth out of a job. Don't get your self-worth out of a paycheck. You see, what I am doing right now doesn't define who I am. I'm doing what I'm called to do. But who I am, apart from what I'm called to do, is quite nice. Because I'm complete in Him. There'll come a day, perhaps, where I step away from doing this at the rapture of the church, or maybe retirement, or something like that. But my identity is not in what I do. Uh, My identity is in who I am in Him. Your identity is not in who you are in yourself. It is who you are in Christ. Your identity is not in your job. It is in Christ. Your identity is not who you are married to. Your identity and your completeness is in Him. Amen. Say it real strong now. I am am complete complete in Him. Him. Now, Here's the beautiful thing about being complete in Him. When I am complete in Him, and my wife is complete in Him, and our priorities are all about Him, then we can have a dynamic relationship. That's right. Hallelujah. That's right. Because my expectation is not based on her performance. Amen. That's right. And her expectation of me is not based on my performance toward her. Amen. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. In Christ and by Christ and through the love of Christ, you will be at a high performance through Him. Amen. Right. And there will be happiness. Man, we're going somewhere here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe in getting good education. But good education doesn't complete you. Find out who you are in Him. Get a revelation of redemption of who you are in Him and what you have in Him and what you can do in and through Him and you will operate in the fullness of completeness in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is praying. He's praying this. And I'm praying this for us as well and for me that the very God of peace would sanctify us would sever us and separate us from things that are profane, some things that are unholy. And that our whole spirit, complete in Him, and soul. In other words, through the Word of God, He can change the way you think. He can take a broken mind and make it whole again. He can take out of you the mindsets of carnality and the mindsets of this world and he can give you the mind of Christ that's why he said let the word of Christ dwell in you richly because I've given you the mind of Christ the very God of peace sanctify you holy and may your whole spirit and soul but he didn't stop there and what else and body be what Preserve blameless. That word preserve blameless means simply be it kept intact. Be it kept intact. Can God take a body that was ravaged by sickness and disease and broken down and make it whole again? Can God take a person that has had a nervous breakdown and make them whole again? I've seen it happen. 
right before my eyes. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. People that were so broken down in their body and broken down in their mind, but when they gave their all to Jesus and got serious about Him, He took their brokenness and brought His wholeness into their life. And now they are shouting the victory. Amen. Can God take a body broken down by cancer and make it whole again? Can God take a life that was broken down by shattered dreams and give them a new dream? And give them a new season? And breathe into them fresh vision? Can God do that? Can He take something that was so broken and so burnt out? And just breathe life into it and restore it and make it a whole again. Can you take a life that lost its purpose and just felt, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. My whole, everything, seems, everything seems like it's falling apart. Can you take a purposeless life and restore it and breathe into it purpose and new life? And make it whole again. You better believe he can. You see my God is a restorer. He is a restorer of paths for you to walk in. He's a restorer of dead relationships. So she says yeah but pastor. My relationship is over with my husband. My relationship's over with my wife. It's been over with for years. Well I'll tell you what. God can restore to you. And give you much better than before. I'm telling you he can. And he will. And so may the God of peace sanctify you holy. May he separate you from things that would hurt you. And may the peace of God, the shalom of God, cause you to be made whole in every area of your life. Now listen, what this requires of you and this requires of me, it requires simple childlike faith. It really does. You know, if you look over in the New Testament, you will see over and over again the word whole or wholeness. Jesus said this. He said, they that are whole, they don't need a physician. What this means is those that are broken really need me. Yes, right. yes. And he says, those that are broken, I want you to know that I'm the great physician. Hallelujah. And I am the Lord that healeth you. They that are whole need not a physician, but those that are broken can come to him for healing. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? Do you remember that lady? She was sick for 12 years. I don't know if any of you have ever been sick for 12 years or carried something in your body that's chronic. It's not very much fun. And this lady, the Bible says, she was nothing better, but she got worse. That's not a good report. You know, when you go to a doctor one year and it says you're bad, and the next year it says you're getting worse, then you go to a doctor about 12 years later and say, how much money you got? I got no money. Well, forget you. You're broken down. You're on your way out. That's the state she was in. 12 years was nothing better. I sense in my spirit that there are some of you here today that are saying, will it ever get better? Will it ever change? And God is saying to you, give me some faith. Give me something to work with. And I can take a bad situation 
And even though it looks bad, I can turn it around for good. Amen. Twelve years, nothing better, but grew, rather grew worse. But oh, when she heard of Jesus. You know something? You're hearing of Jesus today. When she heard of Jesus, the Bible says, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. See, there was something about his garment that was anointed. The mere fact that it was the anointed one and his anointing inside of that garment meant that his garment was saturated with power. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she says, he's going to take my brokenness and he's going to make me whole. He's going to make me whole. Was that faith? Did it take faith? For a little lady, 12 years? Spent everything she had? But faith came. She heard. She came in the press behind. And she touched his garment. She activated the power of God. And the Bible says, Virtue went out of him. And took that what was broken and made it whole again. It would have never happened if she would have just gone to Jesus with the touch of curiosity. Or gone to Jesus with the touch of, oh, like they do today, I want to touch this Hollywood star. So-and-so's here. Let's, Let's get his autograph. They put their drawers on the same way you do. Or some superstar athlete. Oh, if I could just touch LeBron James. (laughs) Now, if LeBron James wants to give me a million, I might shake his hand. But I'm not going to worship him. I'm only going to worship Jesus. Worship God. He is the source of wholeness. He is the source of your supply. Numbers and lottery are not the source of your wholeness. Oh, but Pastor, you just ruined my lunch. I was going to go to a, I was going to go to a Chinese restaurant, and get a fortune cookie, and look for my numbers. Somebody help the preacher just a little bit today. Come on now. The Bible says she came in the press, and that's not the news media. No, there was a press about Jesus. There was a press. They were pressing upon him, just like if the Pope today, Pope Francis, went down to Sperian Boulevard. Every Catholic in the Bay Area would be there. Oh, to kiss his ring. There'd be a press. There'd be a press. There'd be a press. Pressing to see, pressing to feel, pressing. But that's not the kind of press that Jesus is impressed with. He's impressed with the press of faith. She came in the press. She touched his garment. Virtue flowed out of him. And here's what Jesus said. He looked at his disciples and he asked them a legitimate question. Who touched my clothes? Luke says it like this. 
some, I can hardly stand it, somebody touch me. She may have been a nobody in the eyes of the medical field. She may have been a nobody in the eyes of her family. But when she touched Jesus and she was made whole, Jesus said, I took a nobody in the natural and I made her somebody because she touched me with a touch of faith and now she's made whole. Come on. And listen, God's no respecter of persons today. If you have a lackadaisical attitude and you sow a lackadaisical attitude toward the things of God, you will reap lackadaisical things. But if you sow a commitment and you sow a seed of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to hear from God today. Yeah, that's right. And if pastor gives that altar call to be saved, to be healed, to be filled with the Spirit, I'm going to put my flesh under. That might be the press for you. Pride might be the press you've got to press through. But if you'll just come in and say, Lord, I'm here by faith. I plug in to your power and to your strength. Take my brokenness and give me your wholeness. I receive today. In Jesus' name. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for the word we've heard this morning.